Um, if you would, turn to 1 Peter. I'm not going to talk terribly long tonight. First uh, Peter chapter 2. And actually, um, I, I think you have more of that in your worship guide, but we're going to begin reading in verse 1. So put away malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like Living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. Pray with me. Lord, we ask in this moment that you would open up your word That it would not just be black words on white pages. Lord, through your spirit, these these words we read would become alive. And Jesus, we would hear you calling us. You writing these things on our heart. Lord, I ask that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But may your words remain. And may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I grew up going to church. Actually, I grew up a lot in a church building. I was there every Wednesday night for church supper, for choir, for uh, royal ambassadors. Uh, I was there every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening for our worship service. Um, And I was there usually early during those times because my mom was the church organist, and so I was was just always at the church. Uh, The building itself became my playground. Just like after the service here, kids go nuts, if you haven't noticed. Um, Parents, guard, they will want to jump in this. Afterwards, but you know, after every service, kids are always jumping into baptismal. They're uh, they're climbing up different places or going underneath the pews. Um, that was me as a little kid, but uh, I always took it to the extreme. I was just so bad, and sometimes my mom, as a church organist, she'd see me, like she didn't trust me. Whatever I was doing in the pew, and she would call me, like, "You come in the middle of service. You, you're going to sit next to me by the organ." And so I would sit next to her, and I I remember one time as. People are singing, and she's not paying attention to me, and I'm behind like one of these little barrier things there. And, uh, and so I got a dime, and I started undoing one of the vents. Uh, and, I, and I unscrewed the vents, and I crawled underneath the stage to the church, and I went underneath to where the pastor was when he started preaching, and I started scratching and knocking under his feet. 
But so, so that was me. I, I mean, I just, I grew up in a church building, just loving it. But I knew that church was more than a building. As fun as the building was, I knew it was more than that. I knew that church was made up of uh, singing hymns. It was listening to the preacher. And of course, church was the people. And to this day, I remember all the different personalities that were part of the church that I grew up in. I remember the, the amen man, three quarters of the way back on the right side. Whenever the pastor needed something, he looked that way, he got it. Amen. Uh, I remember the, uh, the, the lady who sang soprano, front row. She couldn't sing a lick, but she thought she could. And she sang louder than anybody. And everybody would just look at her. She thought she was amazing. Uh, I remember during our uh, called conferences that we had after church, uh, the, I don't even know the man's name. He just always said, move the motion, be received. And that is what he said every single time. And that's what I knew him as, as the move to motion to be received, man. And so all these little personalities, I, I still vividly remember uh, from growing up in church. And so I, I knew a church. It was hymns. It was teaching. It was part of people. And I thought I had a pretty full picture of what church was. Yet I really didn't understand what it was. I really didn't understand what church was until probably when I was in college and I started studying through 1 Peter and I came upon this text. And this text here so shaped the way that I view church. It was life transforming for me. We're going to look at just three things that this text says about the church. First, it says that church is the temple of God. Second, that we here are living stones that make up this temple or this spiritual house. And third, Jesus is the foundational cornerstone. Look at those three things. First, the church is the temple of God. When you look at verse 5 and it says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That spiritual house is a temple. That's what a temple is, a spiritual house. And, and what Peter is saying here is found throughout Scripture. It's not unique to him. Paul says this in several places. And 1 Corinthians 3 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Ephesians 2, verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, the temple, you know, we read these and it's just like the temple of God. Okay, we become the temple of God. And we shouldn't just breeze by these verses. You need to understand everything that the temple represented in the Old Testament. Just what the temple meant. The temple was the place that the the glory of God, the kabod, the glory of God, this, the Shekinah glory, His presence uniquely dwelled in the temple. You have a picture of this in 2 Chronicles when the temple was just built and it's being dedicated. So Solomon has just built this and 
And here is his prayer of dedication where he prays this. And right after he, he prays this prayer, something amazing happens. Leading up to this, he's been making tons and tons of sacrifices. 153,000 men built this temple. It took seven years. And so in response to this, you, you had to have some kind of huge ceremony. So they sacrificed 120,000 sheep. They sacrificed 22,000 cattle, all for this one dedication service. That is 20 sacrifices a minute for 10 hours a day for 12 days, all leading up to this temple dedication. And so Solomon prays, he dedicates, and then we read these words in 2 Chronicles 7. After Solomon prayed, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And, and you read something like that and you try to picture that and you think, wow. I mean, I would love to seen that. That had to be amazing. Fire coming down, the Shekinah glory of the Lord filling the temple. You can't even get in there because His glory is so thick in that room, in that space. And you just kind of want to be there. You want to be one of them. And yet, they could not fathom the privileges that we now enjoy as New Covenant believers. That was their temple. And still, they, they couldn't even enter in when the glory of God was there. And here Peter, here Paul is saying, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you now. Do you realize this? I mean, it's, it's such a huge thing. The Corinthians didn't. That's why Paul's saying, do you not know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, don't you know this? It's pretty amazing. You know, almost every reference to being filled with the Holy Spirit or us being a temple of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, almost every reference, the you is plural. You all are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You all are being built up into a spiritual house. Let's go to the second point. Second Peter teaches us that each one of us is a living stone being built up into this temple. Every Christian is a stone that's been made alive, a living stone that makes up the temple of God. This means a lot of things, but... Let me just tell you one of the things this means. It means that your lives are interconnected with the lives of other believers. When you come to Christ, you are not only joined to Him, you are joined to others. You're, you're mortared to them. 
permanently attached to them. For all of eternity, you are attached to them. So you're going to depend on them for stability. They are going to depend on you. So right here, Peter's saying no one here is called to follow Christ alone. We are interconnected, being built up into a spiritual house. You're called to join yourself so tightly to a group of people that if you were absent, if you left, there would be a gaping hole in their midst. It'd be obvious. No one here is a living stone that is just kind of thrown out there in isolation by itself. No one. You can't have by church, you can't have church, you know, on the hiking trail by yourself. You, you can't have church in your car listening to a podcast. That's, that's not church. You're also not a living stone that's just been piled together with a bunch of other living stones once a week. There's this big pile of stones all together. And I think that's how a lot of us view church. You know, once a week, it's, we, we're living stones, but we're all just kind of heaped together where we get to hear some teaching, sing some songs, and then we go our separate ways. And Peter says, no, that's not what a living stone is. That's going to church. That's not being part of a church. It's not being built up into a spiritual house. Peter says you are not a heap of living stones, but you are being put together into a house by God. So God, the image is he, he chose you. He chose you, he picks you up, and he is putting you to be part of a structure in which other stones will depend on their, for their stability as well. You will depend on them, they will depend on you. So when you are gone, it should leave a gaping hole in them. And I want you to notice who's doing the building here. God is the one doing the building, not us. We don't get to build what we want in a church, what we want a church to look like. We don't even get to choose who we're joined with. God does this. God's the builder. And this is what makes church different than a country club. It's what makes church different than a fraternity or a sorority because God is the one doing the choosing. He's the one bringing people in. And often he's going to bring people in whom you have nothing in common, people who look nothing like you. And he's going to join you together. Like now you two are being hooked together, part of a spiritual house. I... I love the description. It's an obscure verse. It's found in, in 1 Kings 6. But it's the description of the temple as it was being built. David actually did a lot of the hard work beforehand. He, he made all the supplies and stuff. But it was Solomon who built it. And, and in 1 Kings 6, 7, you read this. When the house was built, it was with stone prepared at the quarry so that Neither hammers, nor axe, nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. So when this huge structure that took over seven years to be built was being built, 
not a single hammer could be heard. All the stones were delivered, already custom made for how it would be put together. Now, why did God choose for the temple of God to be built like that? Not because it was easier. It's because, because the temple's always, that, that was a shadow pointing us to the reality. That was a symbol pointing us forward. It's a sign that points us forward to the church and how God builds his church. In, in which he's going to bring people and you don't get to change them and think, oh, I really want you to be like this. I really, you know, you really need to change these things. God's going to take these people and he's going to put you together. He's going to bring people of all different shapes, sizes, coming in, different skills, different personalities, and he's going to build a beautiful house. You know, this is how it works in our home groups. Um, Often we have people come up to us, you know, home groups, community groups. We're really boring in all of our names, if you haven't noticed. We have groups of meeting homes, we're like home groups. Um, And people are like, can can I be in a home group, you know, with like maybe... um, 25, 26-year-olds, uh, maybe some who just finished school, or th- and then you've got others who say, can I be in a home group that, you know, we're just, it's just parents, new parents. Can I be in the newlywed home group? And, and people want to come in and think, can you please place me in a community where everybody is like me? Now, now, that could work. It actually is a really easy way to grow home groups. It's an easy way to grow a church. I mean, you, you can have home groups based on interest. We, we can have the Ultimate Frisbee home group. You know, everybody who loves Ultimate Frisbee, get together. And the problem is, that's your passion. That's the reason you're getting together. God's not building that. Some outside interest is building that. Or if it's all the young new parents, y'all are all going to come together. Well, great, there's lots lots of natural connections there. But is God building the house? But but when you have different ages, when you have different stages of life, and and you're put together in a room, and you're like, I don't remember anything about what it was to be single. And yet, somehow, we're supposed to really love one another and get involved in one another's lives. We're supposed to be connected. God has brought you to this church. And so he is building us up into something. And so you you, you begin to let God do that. And then let the world wonder at what's being made. Because you have no other interest than Christ. And that's one of the things we, we, we strive for in doing our home groups. Not to perfection by any means, but we try. And if I could add... Uh, this, I know I said three points. Can this be a point two B? Am I allowed to do that? So this is like, if you're making notes, sorry. I normally don't do the three points. Uh, so this is two B. Um, and that's the priesthood. We're, we're not just being built into a spiritual house. We're being built up into a holy priesthood. And we're going to look at this a lot more in detail next week. But I want to put a toe in and just say a couple of things. When it says that we are a priesthood, in the Old Testament, when you came, you you delivered your sacrifice to the priest, and he did all the work, he did all the preparation, he kind of did all the worship, and you were really kind of a spectator that kind of paid money for the services. 
And you couldn't really experience um, the presence of God. You're, you're always kept at a distance. The, the temple was where the priests were. And Peter says no more. Paul says no more. He says we, we are now priests. So, so we, we, don't, we don't hand off our work to another. And let me tell you one of the ways that works into church. You don't come as a spectator. You don't come and think, okay, we've got the professional ministers up there. They're the ones to do the praying. They're the ones to do the singing. They're the ones to do all of this. And so let them put on their show and we can be a spectator. That's not church. We all come to contribute. Make a conscious decision when you come into this place and get to know somebody. I'm going to try to find out what some of the prayer needs are. I'm going to find a way to encourage somebody in this place. I'm going to connect my life with them. I'm not going to just come and sit and ask for a show to be put on. That's not what being a priest is. We'll look more at that next week. Finally, Peter teaches us that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Look at verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone. Peter's quoting here from Psalm 118. He he likes the quote from here. He's used it in sermons. Jesus quoted from Psalm 118 saying that he was this cornerstone as well. It's a very foundational text for both Peter, for the apostles, for Jesus. It's a foundational text about Jesus being the foundation. And one of the things I want you to notice here is everybody's building. Everybody's building. Now, now there's some builders who reject this stone, and there's another builder who's going to accept this stone, but everybody is building. And Peter's saying is everybody is, is building their lives on some foundation. They're looking around for foundational stones. Is it, is it going to be, you know, is it going to be the right neighborhood? Is it going to be in having children? Is it going to be in finding the spouse? What's going to give meaning to my life? What's that foundational stone? You're always building something. And Peter says, your foundational stone is Jesus. That's what a cornerstone is. A cornerstone was, the, was on the corner, and it was what set the entire foundation right. You line that up, and the building would be strong. And Jesus is that foundation. If you don't know what your foundation is, ask yourself, what are the things that stress you? Causes you a great anxiety or fear? What do you constantly think about all the time? What do you dream about? That's usually what your foundation is. There's a temptation, I've shared this before, but there's a temptation, especially for husbands, uh, to be like Elkanah. He, he was in 1 Samuel. If you remember the story, he had a wife, Hannah. She couldn't have kids. She was basically like, give me kids or I'm going to die. And so kids were her foundation. She had to have kids to be somebody. And then Elkanah, this good husband, comes up next to her and he's like, no, no, no. Don't you know I love you more than anybody else? Let my love be your foundation. But you know what? He'll fail at some point. That's just another, that's just another false foundation. It's, a, it's another sinking sand. 
and how easy it is. I know this. I feel this all the time as a husband with my wife. Maybe the, the finances are somewhat hard. And I'll be like, hey, trust me. I'll get us through this. Trust me. And I should be saying, trust God in this. Let's trust Jesus. Let's get on our knees and let's seek Him about this. We think about things like, you know, what about, you know, the education of our children, where we live? How are we going to make this work? I'm like, hey, don't worry. I'm going to come up with something, honey. Trust me. Let's trust the Lord. He is the cornerstone in which every aspect of our life is to be built on Him. Nothing excluded. But we also remember that he was the stone that was rejected, and that's going to bring us to this table here. The stone that was rejected. When Christ came, he was rejected. He was broken for us. I find it interesting that Psalm 118, which is quoted here, was a psalm that was sung during the slaughtering of the lambs during Passover. They were already just singing about the stone that would be rejected. And yet, so many still miss Jesus. But we remember Him now. We remember Him in this place. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. He said, this is My body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of many. This is the cup of the new covenant. Paul would say, as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim the cornerstone that was rejected. The cornerstone in which we build our entire lives on. Pray with me. Jesus, You're the cornerstone. May we build our lives on You. May there not be a part that is excluded. And Jesus, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, will You make us into a beautiful spiritual house in which Your Spirit blows in our midst, in which our lives are so interconnected with one another. Lord, through Your Spirit, make that happen. We remember You now, Jesus, and we rejoice in Your work. In Your name we pray. Amen.